Hello and welcome to another episode of, and when I say I mean, I am one of your co-hosts, Austin. And I am the other co-host, Adrian. Uh, So this week, uh, I wanted to talk about The Lord of the Rings because I love The Lord of the Rings. And what makes me nervous is Amazon has announced that they're they're making another, not another, but a Lord of the Rings television series. Um, and it makes me nervous for a couple of reasons. Um, first, is kind of I like the the movies. I think they're good. Um, and Amazon is it has a lot of money, but they I would be surprised if they put as much money into a TV show as Warner Brothers puts into a movie. Did Warner Brothers do the movies? No, it was New Line. Right. Okay. Just making sure. Yep. That's my bad. Uh, so yeah, that... I'm worried everything is just going to be worse, but I, I, I don't want to... I want to... I want to believe because I love The Lord of the Rings. Uh, right. So, so, so going into this, my question for you is, because I knew that you also liked the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basic, and we can either start here or come back to this, but, but what, what makes the movies good, even though they aren't, they're fairly, uh, fairly far from the books. Um, so what makes the movies good compared to other, well, we'll, we'll just start, stop there for now. What makes the movies good for Lord of the Rings? I think what makes the movies good is that they are aware of the source material and they want it to feel like the source material. Um, it doesn't have to be shot for shot because that would be even longer than 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but to me, that's not as important as long as it, as it feels like what the, what the source material feels like, then that that's what's important to me. So now contrast that with a movie from a book that didn't do so well. Even something like, I don't know. I was thinking of Chronicles of Narnia, but I don't know if those are how those fare compared to the books. Yeah. Um, Or Harry Potter even. I don't know. I don't feel very strong about the Harry Potter universe. Um, That's fair. What are some what are some other adaptations? Um, it's like it's so like the Great Gatsby, right? The Great Gatsby. Right. Some of it's pretty shot for shot, but a lot of it's different. But it's different in a way that is consistent with Gatsby. Mm-hmm. The like, I don't know if the parties are actually wilder, but they're more Jay Z. And that's fine with like that's fine with me. Uh, if Gatsby was alive today, he'd he'd have a club and they'd listen to hip hop. Right. So that's that's fine with me. Um, it has it had the feel of extravagance and gaudiness that you need in Gatsby. 
it still has that that feel of what the book had. Mm-hmm. I there are a lot of adaptations that I don't like, but I'm just struggling to come up with them right now. Um, what about the TV series for? Um, oh, a Game of Thrones. I do not like. That was that was one of them I was thinking of, but not the one I was talking about. Oh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, um, I'm gonna get it wrong, but I'm gonna say War and Peace. Oh, okay. Um, Did I get it right? It actually is War and Peace that they made the yeah. TV series for. Yeah, okay. and so there, are, I have mixed feelings about War and Peace because some of the characters they get exact, like they get excellent. They they do an excellent job of portraying with them. And some of the characters are just a disaster mm-hmm. um, in their portrayal and kind of in the, the show as well. So I, I think the key is to understand what the source material is and then work with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's why I don't like that they published those set of Watchmen. Because it's, this is a huge jump. That was by Harper Lee. It okay. got published oh, yeah, a couple yeah, years yeah, ago yeah, yeah. as a as a follow up to To Kill a Mockingbird. Right. It's it's, it's clearly it's like a cast grab that you're not trying to understand the point of the source material. You're trying to get something new and controversial because in early editions Atticus is a racist. Right. Um Oh, The Hobbit. Okay, that's a great example. Oh, yeah. The Hobbit movies perfect. are a disaster. They're so bad. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's because they don't understand what the point of The Hobbit is. Right. Um, the point of The Hobbit is a fun adventure. It's not a world-building movie, it, or it's not a world-building book. It's just a book that happens in a world. Um, and I think... there's. Go ahead. It's not a war book. Right. It's not an action book. It's an adventure. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we've talked about it in the past just between ourselves is that they totally, at least my, the the part that I am like most heartbroken about the Hobbit movies is that there the there's no development of the Hobbit. <laughs> there's no, the, yeah. the development mm-hmm. of Bilbo and that what's in the book is just lost. Um, and mm-hmm. it, and it's not mm-hmm. like they even like it's not like it even would be hard for them to put in the movies. They just like didn't even try. Um, and Martin Freeman's clearly the best part of right, right those movies. So, so I I think it's important for them if if the the Lord of the Rings TV show is going to be good, it, they need to understand Tolkien's world. In just a, a broad sense, and not try to make it what it's not. Right. What I'm, what all another thing that worries me is Game of Thrones is mm-hmm. something that exists and everyone watches it and everyone loves it. That makes me nervous because Ger Martin and Joy J R R Tolkien are very different people. Um, their styles are different. Their purposes in writing are very different mm-hmm. so you can't you can't take even if they like have the same aesthetics of this medieval fantasy world 
you can't take one style and just slap it on the other style because they kind of look the same. Right. Right. Because then you miss the, you miss the purpose of either the Lord of the Rings or you miss the purpose of Game of Thrones. Right. Like the the story. Yeah, I think that's the big point, and the story that they're trying to tell with their writing is very different. Absolutely. Even I'm repeating what you just said, but even though the shell is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. So what what I what I think Tolkien most like shows his his hand and like his purpose and desire for Lord of the Rings to the reader is um, the end of the two towers where Frodo and Sam are talking about stories that they love. Mm-hmm. And Tolkien is very wrapped up in mythology. So the characters talk about themselves becoming a mythology um, and why myths are myths uh, because it's the stories that we love and well, like the best quote from Lord of the Rings is like, Frodo mm-hmm. says, you know, what are we fighting for, Sam? And there's some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. So that that's like, that's Tolkien's heart and core, because Sam is the best, right? Right. Um, that is not J or no, that is not George R. R. Martin's core at all. Yep. Uh, yep. And if you try to take his like hyper violent. I don't know if it is really hyper violent for the times, but it's hyper violent and hyper sexualized now. Mm-hmm. Um, taking that world and putting it into the Lord of the Rings, putting it into Middle Earth is is like I want I want to say the word inappropriate, but that makes me sound like old men complaining about things, right? <laughs> uh, which is not the name of this show. It's it misses right the point of Middle Earth right and it, and it goes back too to what you were saying about the Hobbit right the Hobbit isn't about you know this war that's going on and like whatever sexual tension is going on between this dwarf and this elf right it's about the adventure of this I was Hobbit say Gandalf and Galadriel even that either like it's not anything about any of that nonsense right it's about a fun story about this hobbit who somehow gets caught up in these situations that he's not supposed to be in mm-hmm. and ends up, you know, developing as a character. And like, we learn something about him and we learn something probably about, you know, something about, I'm going to sound really lame, but we learn something about ourselves too, that it's like, if we try to stay in our hobbit holes, you know, all our lives, we're going to miss out on all these adventures. I don't think that sounds lame, but we're just, we're two old men complaining okay. about things. So right. what do we know? Um, yeah. So yeah, there are things that I think there, like there are things that have to change style wise just to be in 2017. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, that works within the framework of, the Lord of the Rings, as long as you don't lose sight of the, there's an, there is an ultimate battle in the Lord of the Rings. There may be in Game of Thrones, and I think that's where it's at its weakest, um, but I'll, let me finish this point about Lord of the Rings Go first. Go for it. The, like, there are times between um, Sauron's defeat 
on the slopes of Mount Doom at the end of the Second Age. And his reemergence during the War of the Rings, mm-hmm. where people like lose track of Sauron completely. They don't know where he is, they don't know what he's doing, and then people are petty and fight among themselves. Gondor has lots of civil wars. Um, there's, yeah, just men fighting each other all over the place. Mm-hmm. So that that fits within... You can have stories of like internal conflict that exist in the Lord of the Rings, and those are you know unexplored stories, which is nominally what they're producing in right. the, TV the Amazon TV show. But those are all kind of forgotten then when they realize what's really important. Right. When the Witch King shows up or the Nazgul show up, right. they're like, all right, let's, uh, let's settle down. Let's, let's refocus. We know who the enemy is. We know who, we know what evil is. We know what's right. Mm-hmm. We know what's wrong. We just forgot about it and lost our way. Let's get back to that. Right. Um, so, unless you want to go somewhere else, but I'll jump in here it. and say, going back to a conversation that Austin and I had in our now second annual backpacking trip in the middle of the woods in New York, um, we were talking about how Martin kind of complains about Tolkien and saying that they he doesn't show those things those battles in between where where time where you know the real evil has been forgotten and um and so in in a way that really kind of fits into that style this this idea of amazon looking at before um mm-hmm. what happens in the lord of the rings um but also now i'll tie in our our third thing for that we talked about going into this episode is one of our other favorite series right now is the Stormlight Archives by Brandon Sanderson. And it mm-hmm. really kind of has the same idea too, right? So kind of the overarching theme of, or where this is, where the Stormlight Archive is heading is that there's these desolations that happen, which is basically this evil that comes every, you know, who men, how many years. It's so many that by this point, in the novels, they've completely forgotten about it. Um, and so there's, again, fight, fighting within each other, fighting against each other. But now this greater evil is is finally approaching, um, and they realize that they do need to unite and kind of fight this greater evil. And going back to maybe where you were heading with Game of Thrones as well, as hard as George R. R. Martin might be trying to mm-hmm. avoid that... Um, especially in the show, but the show is just garbage at this point. But even in the books, it seems like it's heading in that direction anyways, that there's going to be mm-hmm. eventually one great evil that appears. The All the squabbling people decide, hey, we actually need to fight this evil. And then you have your great band together and destroy evil, which mm-hmm. seems to be a trend in, in all three of these series, potentially. I think it's, it's clear that, you know, George R. R. Martin complains about not showing those times. And those are the stories that he loves. And he he is his worst when he's trying to tell big good and evil battles. That that is that is the weakest part of a Game of Thrones easily. 
um, Tolkien, he's, he clearly cares about the big struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, that's when he's at his best. He, like, he doesn't even really flesh out at all the in-between times because he doesn't think they're important. Right. Um, I think it would be great if it was a show about people like the Dunedain. They've lost their way and they're fighting themselves for like centuries in the North. Um, but then when the Witch King emerges, they they realize they're going to get wiped out or they need to fight what's really important. I, I think that would be a great TV show mm-hmm. for right now. Um, and so, yeah, and because The Lord of the Rings is strongest when it remembers its purpose. Um, Game of Thrones is the weakest when it has big overarching conflicts. And I think those are unavoidable in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it would be weird to have a story that doesn't have Morgoth or Sauron in it. Right. Just because they're, they're the two like driving forces of history mm-hmm. in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're not going to have the same very character, no most, to me, Game of Thrones is best when there's no plot. Right. When it's just characters, nothing. They're going somewhere. It's slow and it's tedious, but it's so charactery. That's mm-hmm. when Game of Thrones is best. Like book right. two, I think this is book two. Jamie and Brienne is wandering through the wilderness. That's like the best part of the book series to me. That might be. That um, might be three or that's uh, probably three because four is just terrible. I think it's three. Or the Hound and Arya just wandering around. Right. Uh, the, if if there was no plot at all to Game of Thrones, I think it would be better. Right. And and what is actually good is the Game of Thrones, right? Like mm-hmm. and and so like I think that the show like that they latched on to the right idea because I think in the books, like which is kind of like anyways, we're it is the main focus of almost at least the first five books and and who knows how it's going to change from then on, but um, is actually this. And so it's trying to figure out, okay, what's this character doing? How is this character trying to get there? How is this character trying to get there? And then you have those characters in between, right? You have those Jamie characters, the Arya characters who aren't directly trying to challenge the throne, but are, you know, caught up in the schemes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I agree. It's, it's when there is no overarching plot, is is when Martin kind of is allowed to shine in that in that way, right? And now, like, look at the TV show; they have to have a plot now, so the series right. wraps up. Right. And it, I think it's a disaster. Uh, you have just outrageous situations like the um, the left Fantastic Seven, no, Magnificent Seven, or whatever, <laughs> who the A Team who go north of the wall. Like that's just silly. Um, and I also, to get Stormlight in here, I think that The Lord of the Rings is also not world-building mm-hmm. like Brandon Sanderson is. 
Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth feels ancient. When you're there, when you're reading it, you know, mm. like, you believe Treebeard when he said he's been alive for thousands and thousands of years. When Elrond says he was on the slopes of Mount Doom when men failed, like, you believe that he's there. Everything right. feels ancient and old, and you got here, and it's just a world. It's not someplace you have to figure out what's going on. Um, just like, like, I don't feel like I need to know all history all the time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, I kind of do. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings is, yeah, Middle Earth is a place with history because mm. Tolkien is kind of like crazy in that sense. Right. Um, I mean, the, the whole the whole world was created because of the history, right? And the whole story was right. created because of the history and the language he built mm-hmm. behind it, which gives it that feel. Right. Which is just and everyone, amazing. And nobody probably right, will ever do is. ever again. But everyone wants to. Right. Because Lord, because middle earth is amazing. Um, and with Sanderson, every world you're in feels new. Mm-hmm. It feels like, like an unboxing video, even though those are terrible. Um, you know, it's like, oh, here's something brand new. Let's right. open this up, pull everything out individually. Let's look at it. Ooh, I wonder what these can do. Oh, they fit together in this cool way. This is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Everything feels like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Let's let's play in this world we've discovered. Right. Um, and I, I think The Hobbit kind of got into wanting to be really world building in a way that hurt it the um, movie that is yeah 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 because i don't i can so i care what galadriel is doing during right. the events of the hobbit but that's that's just me right uh it's not important to the plot of the it's not important to the hobbit and i wouldn't want it to happen during the hobbit mm-hmm. i want it to happen in one of the 12 history of middle earth books that i definitely don't have on my bookshelf <laughs> Um, so there's like the pop to me the popular trends in fantasy are let's be really world building and hope a hope a plot falls out of it or let's be let's be like really deconstructy and get away from these overarching plots mm-hmm that drive the people and they have a hero's journey, you know, or, and there's also just Tolkien ripoffs, which is always going to be popular, but they're they're not interesting. Um, and to me, Game of Thrones is the like fantasy deconstruction, even though it's just, it's just swimming in all kinds of fantasy tropes. Jon Snow is the most hero's journey hero ever. Um, and Brandon Sanderson is very much the the leading figure in crazy world building. Yeah. Um, like extravagant world building. And and Tolkien has a place of being like the father of this genre. So just just be in that. Be know that you have the history. Know right. that you are the voice for fantasy you don't you don't have to 
say, oh, I wonder what happens if we change all these things and try to, like, poke at these tropes until they fall apart. Or let's do something crazy and extravagant. Just take the time to be in a world that's as rich as Tolkien's and as full of myth and good and evil as Tolkien is. Which I think, again, gets really to the point of why the movies were good, right? You didn't mm-hmm. you didn't spend time in the movies, like, talking about, oh, this is Hobbiton, this is, mm-hmm. you know, Rivendell. You were just dropped in these places and going into it knowing, you know, assuming that you had some knowledge of what this is, or, or even if you didn't write, it didn't matter because, like it was just so fantastic the, in the, the way they feel did it. of a place is powerful enough that you know what it is without having to right. be told. Right. And I think again, that plays a huge role into the Lord of the Rings, right? There's so many diverse places. You have Hobbiton, you have Rivendell, you have the Misty Mountains, you have these different places where you don't really need to describe Hobbiton. You just see the people there. You see the type of landscape, mm-hmm. you see their lifestyles. You just know, um, by telling the story, even, you know, what it feels like to be there. Um, yeah, so, again, I think I think that's the kind of thing you're looking for. And, and it's almost like you're, you're looking... Here, here's another question for you. Would it be bad if... So, assuming that we follow the Dune and Dine and, and you have all these things. If you have more of a um, non-serialized show where it's just kind of like you could jump into the episode um not really know what know what's going on there because there really isn't kind of a bigger bigger story going on but rather you're just kind of following characters around seeing how they interact does that just not even work at all or is it actually good like i could i could if it's well done it's well done but I don't think it is the true potential of something that takes place in Middle Earth. Hmm. Um, because, yeah, to be serialized like that, you have to ignore the like real history of the place that right. we know and has actually happened and ignore the future of it that we also know and will happen. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I, yeah. What I think is is powerful about the story is you know where it came from, you know where it's going, and everything is plays into that. It's um, right. Yeah, Even everything point, everything plays towards the future. Yeah, even to the point where you can like sprinkle things in but you don't have to explain them, right? I think that may have also been a shortcoming of The Hobbit is that they tried too hard to set up for The Lord of the Rings as opposed to just kind of saying, nope, here's like a few little tidbits that kind of, you know, point you in that direction, but we're really kind of our own thing telling a different story. And I'm get, I'm going to go back to the, the well of the end of the two towers, right? Where Sam's talking about the 
it's so dark at the time they're at right now. Mm-hmm. You think, how can they ever go on? Uh, but they do because the, there's that good there that's worth fighting for. Right. I, a serialized show, I feel like, gets bogged down in the darkness of that, that is in Middle Earth um, without seeing the payoff, without seeing the good. Right. Um, which to me misses the the feel of Middle Earth. Hmm. Okay, so here's a here's another question. Unless you that doesn't mean I don't else. want good characters, because <laughs> there are, for people like oh, there's no good characters in Lord of the Rings. Sam is absolutely amazing. Aragorn is amazing. Frodo is pretty amazing. Every Denethor is such an underrated character. He's just destroyed. Him and Boromir are just butchered in the movies. They're so good characters. So, basically, I just want it to be perfect. (laughs) Which is is bad expectations. Which is bad expectations. But, But yeah. I think your point is... I would sacrifice characters for the feel of Middle-earth. Right, and I think what your point is is like if you're going to if you're going to do the Lord of the Rings, you should be perfect, right? Like if you're if you're going to take something that's this good, mm-hmm. um, you should be able to do it. And even if it's not perfect, right, you still make it good as the movies were, because in a sense the movies weren't perfect, but in another sense they were very good. Mm-hmm. Well, they uh, they won how many Oscars? Right. And are like three of the top fifteen movies of all time on whatever that rating site IMDb is or that I always say DD, in the wrong order. Whichever one. Right. Anyway, here's my next question. Why why does and and maybe this is maybe this isn't a fair comparison. So anyway, so we have the Game of Thrones T V show, which is mm-hmm. just huge um why is it popular huge is unpopular people like it um i actually anyways i was surprised going into this i was thinking is there anybody who has both read the books and seen the show and actually still likes the show and actually i know quite a few people likes the show who likes the show if they've read the books too as of season seven i don't know Okay. I have I have some friends who probably would say that it's kind of falling off now who have also read the books and love the books but I who are no longer in denial. Right right right. They anyway. they also love the show. Anyways, that's not the point. So why is that why is it so popular and what what caused a show like the Sword of Shannara for instance to fail or um yeah, what what and then I'm even thinking of like we talked a little we talked about Marvel, right? Like the mm-hmm. Marvel universe. Why do and they're very unlike the comics yet they're still good and still very popular. So what is it about those things that and even the Lord of the Rings movies compared to the Hobbit movies, what makes things succeed especially in TV shows and what makes them fail? Um and how does the Lord of the Rings TV show avoid failing? And maybe you've already answered those questions, but so to me, to me, Game of Thrones is good because of the characters. Mm-hmm. Game, to me, Game of Thrones is a, is a character study of, of like a uh, dozen characters. 
mm-hmm. um, trying to see how they how they deal with crisis and how they deal with failure and things not going as they plan. So I I think Game of Thrones is good just because it's good. Right. Like it's pop. It to me it's it's I like Game of Thrones because it, it's popular and it's good. Because uh, mm-hmm. there are lots of popular things that are bad. And there right. are lots of popular or good things that aren't popular. Um, yeah, Game of Thrones is very honest about characters. Um, and like the, the, I'm sure the violence and nudity helps. Um, True. Which I think would be an abomination in a Lord of the Rings series. Yeah. Uh, but like there, there's just there. George R. R. Martin is great at getting a character mm-hmm. in a couple of scenes and then just changing everything on a right. dime. Um, like there's a great scene where Tywin. This is from the TV show, not found in the books, which is a. So I'm, I'm giving the TV show something. Tywin wow. is just skinning a stag while he's planning this battle against uh, young Rob Stark. Um, and he's talking to Tyrion about what he wants Tyrion to do in the in the Red Keep, whatever that place is called. King's Landing. King's Landing. And it, it's just, uh, it's a great, it's a great, this is the first time we see Tywin on screen, and we've heard how he's Tywin. Uh, and this is when mm-hmm. we first see him, and he's just, He's got his sleeves rolled up. He's Charles Dance, so he looks just like intimidating. He's angry all the time. Even he's just skinning a stag, right? And the stag is the Baratheon. Um, as he's butchering the Baratheon. Um, and the Starks at that time. Well, maybe not young Rob, but... And then... That's the image we have of Tywin. Mm-hmm. And that's consistent until... Like the very last time we see him, where he's got Tyrion's prostitute Shay in his bed, sitting on a toilet, and he gets shot with a crossbow. And then you're like, "Wait, why is Shay there? What is?" Right. And then you you look back at everything Tywin has done and been and said he is in a new light. Um. I like the Lannisters a lot, except for Cersei. Um, mm-hmm. But but even even Cersei, there's the when she is in the Red Keep during the Battle of the Blackwater. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing scene yeah. because you there's so much going on for Sansa. There's so much going on for Cersei, and she's fine. You finally see the break. You finally see Cersei break. Yep. And it, you look back and you're like, wow. This is all going on with Cersei the whole time. Mm-hmm. Jamie, when he loses his hand yep. and is talking to Brienne, yep. you're like, "Wow, this is, I thought Jamie was this, but maybe he's not." Mm-hmm. And that that's that's what's great about a Game of Thrones. Right. And George R. R. Martin is intentional about that. He says history is full of people like this, where you see them doing terrible things and you see them do lots of great things Mm 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes something happens where it just changes what you think about them. Like, so Winston Churchill, right? He's he's great. Also, the like the British main uh, representative for the first eugenics council, right? So, so you're like, wait, Winston Churchill? Yeah. What? Why would you be there? So it, there's just history and Game of Thrones are full of people mm-hmm. that you don't you don't know how to make of but this puts you with them. You're right. you're seeing them change. You're seeing them grow. And that's why it's that's why it's great. Mm-hmm. Shanera Shanera, however you say it, is not great. Um Probably the books, definitely the TV show, is because it just throws up paper-thin characters hmm. without the weight of Tolkien. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's it's basically like Aragon to my mind. It's it's Luke Skywalker. It's the hero's journey. But without any, but it's all just kind of surface, right? Um, you don't try to dive into what are these characters? Characters don't make a lot of choices. There's no like expectations that you're setting, mm-hmm. and then challenging and seeing either met or not met. Because um, like in in the Lord of the Rings, it's you have all these expectations, and then characters exceed them. Right. Game of Thrones is often you have expectations and they subseed them. Right. Like the the end of the book, the two towers, you have Sam realizing Frodo's alive and Shelob's lair. And then Sam makes a choice that goes against everything that a Hobbit should do. Mm-hmm. He he takes the one ring of power and says, I'm gonna go alone to Mordor. I'm gonna go save Frodo against all odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a hobbit should never do that. No. But Sam does. Right. There, there's just no... Alanon, the the druid in Shannara, he, there's no like challenge expectations for him. He's a powerful sorcerer. He's always a powerful sorcerer. He's always mm-hmm. mysterious. Whenever you think he's not going to be mysterious... It's just because he's lying to you. It's, nothing changes in your mind about Alanon. Even, even Aragorn, who's a, a pretty static character, right. you you learn things about him in... Um, you think, like, this whole time he's just this unstoppable like force for greatness. Mm-hmm. And then he confronts Sauron through the Palantir at the beginning of The Return of the King, and he's just shaken. Um, and you're like, wow, what, what, are, what are they doing right. going up against Sauron? If, if this is a person that can shake Aragorn to his core, and Aragorn is the, the like, best representation of humanity. Right. So the... There's, there's moments like that that make something great. 
and they're hard to view. Um, right. Right. And you can you can try to imitate them when you you try to imitate them and it's not it's not there. If you don't have the background work necessary, if you don't have the time spent with these characters, mm-hmm. then it, you know, it just falls flat. Right. So, okay, so how do we I guess then, like, it's it's gotta be... I'm trying to figure out why The Hobbit is so bad. And I think there's just m- several things. It's not even, like... It's not even their move from the storyline, really. Because they could have done good stuff with some of the things they did. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, it, I, I think the main problem was they focused on the wrong characters. Yeah. Um... For some reason, The Hobbit, which you would think would be about The Hobbit, mm-hmm. turned out to be more about the dwarves. Um, right. It's, it's, I mean, it's really a story about Bilbo, and then secondly, it's a story about Thorin. Right. And for some reason, we spend yep. much less time than we should with Bilbo, and prob- less time than we should with, with Thorin. and. Well, and again, Thorin's character is so just pff, like the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, that's just, absolutely true. <laughs> it's when just, when he's like when he's got the dragon sickness at the end, you're like, I don't, what do I even care about Thorin? Right. But in the in oh the my, book, it's Thorin's devastating. The hero the whole time. Thorin is he is the hero the whole right. time, and then he's petty and backstabbing and just the worst. And you're like, what what happened to Thorin? Right. What is going on? Um. Yeah, his his character is just so flat and bad that, like, nothing happens. And, like, yes, like, in the books, we still liked Feely and Keely, but we didn't really even know anything about Feely and mm-hmm. Keely, to be honest. Like, there, there's 12 dwarves, 13 dwarves. We knew like, they were young. Right, like, how are we... We don't know anything about any of these other dwarves in the book, essentially, which is surprising, right? Like, you think in a book you should be able to, like, go into all these characters and to figure out everything about everybody. But surprisingly, like, really, you're only following Bilbo and Thorin and, like, Gandalf. Maybe, kind of. uh, Balin? Maybe, yeah, a little bit. He's actually probably one of the best characters in the movie, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, like, in the movie, it, it focuses on the dwarves, on the wrong dwarves, and then you just, you miss the whole point of the story. Even Balin, who's barely a character in The Hobbit, but he's, like, a good, reassuring, friendly presence for Bilbo the whole time. And then right. when you he's in Moria, and it's like proclaiming himself the king of Moria. Right. You're like, wait. Balin? Right. Son of Fundu? <laughs> and and what's interesting too, the whole like the whole tone of the book itself is almost like contradicting, right? Because you have these these people who are literally like just going after money and trying to recapture like all their gold, yet it's like a fun, happy, like they're mm-hmm. the good guys almost, and, and in some ways it's like, are they like? Yes, they are the I mean, good they guys. They are fighting a dragon. They are fighting a dragon who has like killed lots of people and burned down an entire town, but like, what what else is going on? Um, 
it, it just has a it has a kind of a con- conflicting feel to it, which is I think good because it challenges you to think about it a little bit. Um, so yeah, I think how do, how do then how does the show avoid what the book what the Hobbit did poorly and do fulfill what the movie the original it, trilogy did? I mean, well. they get lost. They get lost investing time on just terrible on such the wrong things right. in a Hobbit. And lose they lose sight of to me that the the spirit the zeitgeist, if you will, of Tolkien. Which, to be honest, now that we're having this conversation, I'm not too like positive about the TV show because they they aren't following a they're not following a story, which. Mm-hmm. We've already seen them fail following a story in The Hobbit, and now mm-hmm. if you don't have a story and you're kind of making up your own story, that's just going to be even worse because you don't have kind of like this overarching thing. You don't have – you kind of have characters, but like they're they're not – it's different, I think, and especially when it's in this setting when we don't really know their goals. And mm-hmm. so – I think it's going to I think it's going to be bad because they're going to try to be Lord of the they're going to try to take Lord of the Rings and make it into Game of Thrones where it's about characters, right? Even if mm-hmm. it's not anything about anything else about Game of Thrones, but it's just about the characters, you're going to miss it because I mean, they could they could do it well. I I shouldn't say it's going to be bad. Okay. They could do it well, but it's not going to be Lord of the Rings. It's not going to feel like it because it's going to be character-driven in a way that's not about a greater story. And it also it worries me that the CEO of Amazon has said they're looking for their Game of Thrones. Right. That worries me because, like, then it's, it's just he's trying – he wants – he wants Amazon Prime Video to be an actual thing where people go right. to watch videos, which is understandable. That's barely understandable for him. He has so much money. Right. Well, I mean, but again, it also kind of makes sense that the CEO would be like, hey, you know this thing that made HBO, essentially HBO, and made them a ton of money? Right. Let's just, let's do that. So he, it, do, it, so it doesn't he, surprise me too much. If he delegates to people who care about the Lord of the Rings, I uh, I'm on board. Yeah. Right. You you need yeah. You need lots of people who care about the Lord of the Rings to balance out the people who liked Game of Thrones. Right. Because even though they look the same but they're so different. Right. And yeah, and um shoot, what was I gonna say? Basic. Oh, what I was gonna say is they have plenty of money, right? It's not like they should be concerned. Yeah. Like, we don't have the money to put into this, invest in it, and find the right people and and get the right people behind it, so it's a success. And mm-hmm. to be honest, if they want it to compete with that, they have to do it right. I mean, right? If you're if you're trying to say, so a, right? A, we're trying to we're trying to compete with Game of Thrones, which is probably like probably the biggest TV show in the last five, seven years. When the, the Sopranos end. I don't know, but it's probably bigger. And then B, you're taking on 
Lord of the Rings, which is the biggest fantasy series of all time. And so it's like, if you're not, and it's going to be again, they know they're yeah, going to be against try, so much go criticism. All, go all in. Right, you have to. You have to go all in. So if they do, there's gonna there's a lot of money in Amazon. They could make it really good. Hopefully they go back to the original trilogy and do a lot of like set building as opposed to relying on and costumes and supposed to relying on CGI, which was terrible with the Hobbit. Yeah. Um, but that's just, yeah. that's a side comic compared to what we've been talking about anyways, with characters right. and plot. So that's why I'm worried. If you're not worried or are worried as well, let us know. Tell us why we should be worried for different reasons or the same reasons, whatever. Or uh, why we shouldn't be worried. Uh, maybe you work at Amazon and are the director and you know exactly what's going to happen. So don't tell me what's going to happen, but tell me it's, oh, tell me it's going to be good. Reassure us. And also yeah. let us know how you found our podcast because that'd be pretty impressive. Right. And if you want me to, to work on Lord of the Rings, I can be available. <laughs> <laughs> You would gladly uh, take I would, a spot. Yeah. You could be like, uh, who's his name? Uh, wow, Christopher Lee, and just walk around with the book the whole time mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and make sure that you're following it. Say what the ring says. Right. That I think um, that's like one of my favorite like fun facts from the filming of the Lord of the Rings is like how much Christopher Lee like cared about it. Yeah. Um, and again, probably yeah, there's a lot of people who. There was a lot of people who cared about Lord of the Rings when they made it, which is great. Right. Um, so, final thing. There's, so there's a podcast that I like where they say they end with recommendations. So I was going to end something with recommendations. I was going to bring recommendations in this episode too. Great. I'm going to recommend uh, the Cherry Orchard by Anton Chekhov. It's amazing. It's a play. It was written in like 1900. And it's, it's great. He's, Chekhov is the best at introducing symbols that mean everything. Hmm. Uh, which, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but read The Cherry Orchard and it'll make sense. Well, I don't have an as obscure <laughs> of a recommendation, I guess. Um, but anyways, last night... Um, I was with some people and they were talking about the wheel of time, oddly enough. Um, Ooh. I was shocked. I was like, what are you guys doing? How do you even know what the wheel of time is? Anyways, I'm not recommending wheel of time, which, because I haven't actually read it, but I hear it's pretty good. What I am recommending is what we were talking about earlier is the Stormlight archives or anything mm. that Brandon Sanderson has ever written. Um, well, yeah, anyways, but, but I think, I think what people, because I'm, I'm hoping that something like this happens to Brandon Sanderson's novels. Although, we definitely need to be on it because we care about it and it needs to be done right. But anyways, he he does such a great job of world building. And I agree with what Austin was saying, too. It's, it's, ever, it's basically like this unboxing. Yet, it's it's more of like... it's I don't even really know how to explain it. It's but like, not, not in like an insulting way at all. No, 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 no. It's like... It's like I have this thing over here that I, it's, it's kind of like Legos. I'm going to say it's Legos. I don't know what it's going to work. I have this Lego bit. set 
and this is like my Johnny Thunder jungle Lego set over here. And then I have Legos, which still kind of work in the same way, but this is like my, you know, mummies desert one over here, and it kind of works all in the same way. Anyways, so everything kind of works, and all of his novels, they kind of work similar, because everything... And kind Johnny of, Thunder is the connecting thread. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, this may this analogy may have broke down. But anyways, great world building. Check it out. I just got the third book today, actually, in the mail. So, Brandon Sanderson, Stormlight Archives, and Austin, what was yours? Anton Chekhov, The Cherry Orchard. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, if you read more than I do, which I don't read a lot, so that's probably not hard. Um, check out whatever Austin said for his nomination. Yeah. It's probably really good. If you read more than I do, find help. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we should have. I feel like we should have prefaced all of this stuff before we started doing this. Is that like most of my knowledge about any books ever has just come from Austin? Um, so I don't even know if I should say this because we might lose listeners, but I haven't actually read the entirety of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I remember that after I proposed this as the topic. Yeah, I re- I realized that that was the case. But anyways, I have I have some people I have some friends who are very upset about that, but I think we're still friends. Um, I have read slash well, I've listened to the audiobooks for all of the Game of Thrones, and I've read Stormlight Archives. Have you seen any of this sh- Game of Thrones TV show? Or is this I have just- yeah, I've seen I've seen the first five seasons. Okay. So, and I haven't seen any, I've seen clips and have talked about it and have read things about it. So, anyways, we talk, again, we talk about like we know what we're talking about, even though half of the material that we're referencing... I knew what I was talking about. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. Austin knew exactly what he was talking about because he's witnessed, read, slash watched every single thing we talked about. Me, on the other hand, I've only talked about, I've only referenced and read, I've only read slash seen like half of the things we were talking about, which is fine because Austin did most of the talking on this episode anyway, so it's all good. Yep. All right, so thanks for uh, sticking with us. And I hope to see you again next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.